This is the podcast method, all about podcasting, recording, audio and video equipment, software, mic technique, pre and post production, workflows, and more. I shall be your host today. My name is Dan Benjamin. I'm the founder of 5x5, and this is episode number 22 of the podcast method. You know, I get so many great questions from you. Again, I say it, I say it at the start of every show. There is no show without your questions. So if you have questions and no question is a bad question, no question isn't worth asking. If this is the first time you've listened to the show and you're just checking it out, there's a chance we may have, uh, I may have answered the question before. That doesn't matter. I'll answer it again. I'll answer some. Maybe I learned something new. Maybe I made a new mistake and I can tell you what I did wrong and save you from having to, to do the same thing wrong. It doesn't matter. Ask your question. I want to hear it. No show without them. Best way to do it really is on Twitter. Go to twitter.com slash Dan Benjamin. I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. And use the hashtag podcast method when you ask it, because as, uh, as I do before every show, as I'm doing right now, I have gone to the Twitter search page and I have pulled up everything with that hashtag. And that's one of the ways that I prepare for the show. And that's one of the ways I record the show. People ask me that a lot. They ask all about workflows. How do you prepare for the show? How do you collect links? How do you add links to your show notes? Well, I will admit I'm incredibly spoiled. In 2009, when I started 5x5, I was searching for a really good solution to host a podcast. 2009, it's seven years ago. It's a long time ago. And back then, we didn't have a whole lot of choices. Now, I had, I had made a living for many, many years building content management systems, CMS, publishing tools, electronic publishing tools. That was, that was my job. That's what I did. And people would hire me to build it because back then, especially, it's still the case. But back then, there was no solution that would just work. If you were an education, if you were a college and you wanted a website, if you were, uh, if you were some big banking company, if some big technology company, the needs and the way that you would want to interact with your uh, your visitors to the website and the things you wanted to do on your website, there was no system that just encompassed everything 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So I started building those things and that was my job. That was my business. And in 2009, when I wanted to transition to podcasting full time, every time I would do a show, I would build a new little one-off website for it. And I, after the second or third show, I realized, man, this isn't a good way to do it. This is a terrible way to do it. I said, let me just bring everything under one umbrella. So I started looking around at, at tools. And I spent about a week with each of the major tools that, were, that existed at the time. And off the top of my head, I know I, I tried WordPress. And there were some plugins back then, but not many. I tried Expression Engine. I tried Drupal, Movable Type. I don't really remember any of the other ones. Those are just the ones that, but I spent the better part of a month testing all of these systems and customizing them to see how close could I get them to do what I wanted them to do. And there was a lot that I wanted them to do. Again, I was, um, I am and was a software developer building publishing tools. And after spending a month on this, I said, wait a minute, what am I doing? If I had just started to build my own thing, I'd probably be done by now. But none of these are getting close to what I really want. So I said, you know what? Forget it. I'm not going to mess around with any of these things. I'll build my own like I should have built. And I was trying to avoid it. Because the advice that I give on another show that I do, Quit, which is all about like starting something awesome and, and becoming your own boss. My own advice was stick to your wheelhouse. Do the stuff that you're good at. Do the stuff that you want to focus on. You're an iOS developer? Build your iOS app. Don't spend a million years doing, you know, building a website to promote your iOS app. There's other things like that, like Squarespace. They're sponsoring this episode. I'll tell you about them later. Don't waste your time doing something like that. Focus on building the iOS app. If you're a podcaster, focus on making your podcast awesome. Don't start spending a million years customizing, you know, some other solution. Go with some, but nothing existed. So I finally broke down and I built what became 5x5, 
And the network part of it was unintentional. People always say, wow, well, you know, what did you envision and how, how did you start the network? I, I never wanted to start a network. I, wa- I, would, I wanted to be lazy. I wanted to not make a new website every single time I, I had an idea for a podcast that might or might not work, that might or not, might, might not be successful. I just didn't want to keep building new websites. So I built a thing that let me put them all under one umbrella and, and somehow it became a network. I never wanted that. I never planned for that. That was never the goal. And another thing people often ask me is, you know, if you could go back in time, what, what would you do differently? Would you still do a network? What would you do differently? Uh, I mean, I, I shouldn't say I would do everything differently. But there's so much that I would do differently. And, and the reason that this is on my mind so much, uh, are two reasons. One is a handful of the questions that I was asked this week address this kind of thing. And I'll, I'll get to them one by one. And the second is uh, Fireside, the podcast hosting system that I've been working on, taking everything that I've built since 2008, 2009 that became 5 by 5 all that infrastructure, all that technology, and turning it, rewriting all of it from the ground up and turning it into something that you guys can use. That's, I'm like obsessed with this. So a lot of, I've been doing a lot less shows recently because development has been ramping up right here, the hard push to the very, very, very end. And we're there and we've done it and it's like done. And so all of you who have signed up for that beta, you're going to be getting a good email because we're finally, finally done. Not like done like I feel like we're done, but done like we moved the last Trello card from the need-to-do stack into the done stack. I'm ready for the beta stuff. So this has been on my mind. And they're really, you know, how do you answer that? You look back over doing this for seven years every day. And I, I wouldn't say that I would change. There's nothing that I wouldn't change. But I've learned so much in the process, the physical process of recording, the intellectual process of finding out what shows I like to do and which ones I'm good at and which ones audi- the audience responds to. So much of that knowledge, so much of being able to do this show for you guys right now comes from those lessons that I've learned and mistakes that I've made. And so to just kind of say, oh, I wouldn't change anything or, oh my gosh, I would change everything. In a way, I feel both. But I can tell you there were so many mistakes that I made along the way that if, if I had had something like a show like this, where I could just ask someone who knew questions and they said, oh, don't, don't waste your time with that or do it this way. Obviously, you don't want to take anything that I say as some kind of rote law. And I, got, I hope you don't ever take it that way. All I can do is share with you the successes that I've had and the mistakes that I've made. And hopefully you can learn from both of those and make your own decisions. And the best way to do that is to get in there and start answering your questions. Now, before I do it, I want to thank my first sponsor at Squarespace. I mentioned them a second ago. Squarespace is great. And it's, it, they are the best at doing what I just mentioned is... It, what is the thing that you do best? What is the thing that you like to do? Is it podcasting? Is it photography? Is it blogging? Is it, do you have a restaurant? Are you building an iOS app or an Android app? What is it that you do? Are you a writer? Do you really want to start from scratch and build your own website? Maybe you do, but before you th- make that decision, check out Squarespace. They sponsor a, listen, they sponsor a whole lot of shows. They really do. And they've been a huge, huge supportive company for podcasting since forever. But the reason that they stick around and the reason that they keep sponsoring is because they keep adding stuff and they keep making the platform better. And even though you've heard that Squarespace spot before, there's something new that they've added. There's an improvement that they've made. There's something that they've streamlined. There... It's such an easy system to use. You can jump right in and just make a website. You just make it like it sounds dumb, but like, yes, you type in the name of the site. 
and now your your site's like there and you want to customize it, you pick one of their templates. Oh, you want to map to to the location, you drag the little map over. You want to embed a YouTube video, you want to put a picture here, you want to change the layout, it's all drag and drop, it's all little sliders, it's clicking little buttons, it's the coolest thing ever. And they're going to give you a free trial. They made a special URL, squarespace.com slash podcast method. Are you driving right now? You're in your car. Safely pull over to the side of the road. Get on your phone and go to squarespace.com slash podcast method. If you're at your desk, just open that URL right now. Why? Why do I ask you to do that? That wakes them up. When they start to see those hits coming in on their website, they're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. People are listening to Dan's show. We should sponsor it again. That way Dan can buy food. You want to buy me food? I need food. I'm hungry. I'm starving right now. Go to squarespace.com slash podcast method and feed me. The code to use is podcast method. One word, get 10% off your first purchase. Thanks very much to squarespace.com. Feed me. Now, on to the questions. Jasonian underscore Jasonian on Twitter says, well, his, his, I'm assuming it's a he, his first question says double ender or Skype recording. And then he, he hits with a, a second power punch question. In Naco Almanac, is it Skype or double ender? Live versus recorded difference is stark. Reason for the choice. So there's a lot of questions bundled into this one big question here. So let's, pull all of these apart and try and get to all of them. The first question is double enter or Skype recording question mark. So I'll address that one as, as a standalone question first. Either. Both are okay. Now what I mean by that is you're going to get the best quality if you record a double ender. What's a double ender? That's where each person, whether it's two people or 10 people, Everyone contributing to the podcast records their own side of the, of the conversation. This can be done if you're on a Mac, you've got a built-in utility already. It's called QuickTime. Launch QuickTime. You can record audio right there. You don't need any extra software. You don't need anything else. It records it as a .mov file. Boom, you're done. That's all you need. But if you're like a little bit geekier, sure, you can use GarageBand to record. There's an app called Audacity. You could use something professional like Logic. I'm recording this show in Logic right now, even though it's just me talking into one microphone. Whatever you want to use to record it, but they, that is the each, each person records their own side of the conversation. The upside to this is the highest possible quality. There's no Skype connections. There's no artifacts. There's no issues. It's just you talking into a microphone, high quality recording. The downside, each of those people then needs to upload that file to somewhere where the person who's doing all the editing can download all of that and, uh, and put it into one file and edit it all. And that's not that bad. Especially if the person, that one person also has a full recording of the original conversation. They're using something like Skype call recorder or uh, audio hijack or something like that. To record it. If they're using that, then they have a master recording. It might have everyone's voice in one track. That's fine. It'll still allow them to uh, visually see when, when whoever's doing the editing, visually see who's talking and where. Why? Because if everybody records their own audio, you're going to experience something called audio drift because everybody's computer is at slightly different speed. Even two computers that come off the assembly line a day apart. There's those clock speeds. There's these subtle differences. Now, the older the computers are, the different makes, the different models, you're going to get more of that audio drift. And what that means is when you drop everybody's audio in and you sync them up so that at the beginning, they start at exactly the right time. After 30 minutes, 40 minutes, maybe even less, they will begin to drift and you'll start to hear people talking over each other. And you're like, well, I don't remember us talking over each other. No, that's the audio drift and it's a cumulative effect. But if you have that master recording, you can compare it. You can line things up, keep everything uh, in line. Handy. But if you're doing a Skype recording, you don't have to worry about any of that. But what you might have to worry about is degraded call quality from time to time. 
Why? Because of, because, because Skype. So both work for pretty much every show that we do here. We are doing Skype recordings. I have a dedicated computer. It is, I'm using old Mac minis. But each one of them, all it does is run Skype and it plugs into our mixer. And so when I'm interviewing someone or when I'm doing a, a co-hosting a show with someone, I'm recording it all here, multi-track logic, and their audio is coming in through a dedicated Mac going into our mixer. They hear me. I pull their audio out of the audio I send to them. That's called Mix Minus. I've talked about that a lot. And that's it. You might not have that kind of infrastructure. You might want to use something like Skype Call Recorder, which does pretty well also. But the long story short is this works okay. Now, Jasonian was also saying, Anako Almanac, is it Skype or Double Ender? Live versus recorded, difference is stark. I don't know if he's saying, Anako Almanac sounds really good and I can't tell what you're doing. Or if he's saying... Uh, that, that it sounds like it's a double ender. Most of the time, we will do it as a, uh, a Skype recording. But sometimes, Skype will just let us down and be terrible. And Andy will, Andy's so good about always recording his end of the conversation, even when I don't ask him to. He just does it. So that way, if we get halfway through the show and we're like, oh, this is the worst. Skype is having such a hard, hard time today. He can say, no problem. I've recorded my end and we'll piece it all together. So it just depends on that day and how Skype is feeling that day. James Shield, Jay Shield on Twitter says, what is the minimum number of downloads per episode to get a small sponsor? And he adds with mostly a UK audience. That doesn't really matter whether it's UK or not, the minimum number of downloads per episode. And that is, James, that is the correct way to measure it. I don't want to hear how many downloads you, and neither does the sponsor. They don't want to hear how many downloads you get over 90 days, not even 45 days. They really want to know 30 days. And I'll tell you what, most of your downloads will happen in the first seven days. And in fact, most will happen in the first 24 hours. What you see in the first few days, that's kind of what you're going to get. But that's fine. Stretch it out to 30 days to see that full number because there can be a difference there. But that's the metric that you want to get so that when you are engaging with a sponsor, when you're writing them that email that says, hey, we're looking for a sponsor. Would you guys consider sponsoring our show? We get X downloads per episode over the first 30 days. That's what they want to hear. What is that number? Some shows, several thousand, 5,000. But that's not that interesting to a sponsor because you've got to think about it from the sponsor's standpoint. The sponsor is sitting there thinking to themselves, I have to have a phone call maybe with this person. We've got to do emails back and forth. We've got to get IOs signed. We might have to do an RFP or a proposal. We've got to do all of this legwork in this process and then once the show airs, we've got to listen to it. We've got to verify that the spot went okay. There is a lot of work for us to do just to get that sponsorship into that, into that show and make sure that it was right. Why would they do that unless there's going to be a payout? Why would they do that unless they're going to get that ROI, return on their investment? They won't do it for a show that gets $1,500. It's just not worth it. So what is that number? What is the magic number? I don't want to discourage you and tell you it's got to be a certain number because then you might say, well, forget it then. Still try. It's worth trying. But I'll tell you what, a sponsor is going to be much more interested in you if you're at 50,000 downloads per episode than if you're at 5,000. You're going to have a much better chance of securing a sponsor if you say, oh, we do 35,000 downloads every week than if it's 3,500. But I, to be honest with you, I would say don't bother until it's about 5,000. You probably won't even get many responses back. But once you get into the tens of thousands of downloads, which takes a long time, especially in 2016's climate, especially in 2016. Now, we have a different situation. We can actually support smaller shows on 5x5 because we have, in some cases, seven, eight-year-long relationships with sponsors. 
So it's easy for us to say, here's a smaller show or here's a new show. Uh, would you guys consider sponsoring this? It's, yeah, it's only 350 bucks. And they'll say, you know what? Sure, we'll try it. Because we've already got IOs in place. We've already got agreements signed with them. And it's just, we just invoice them for a little bit more. So that's the advantage of working with a company like Archer Avenue, which is my company to do this, or another one, because we already have those relationships with the sponsors. It's not extra work for them. They're already cutting us a check every month for the shows that they've done. Adding one here, removing one here. It's just a line item. They don't need to build a new relationship, which is what they're a little bit shy of unless the show's got some big, oh, you get 100,000 downloads a week. That, that's worth it. So you can't blame them. And at the same time, when you hear me say that number, 50,000, 20,000, you will get there eventually if your show is great. If your show is worth sponsoring, it will eventually get there. You just got to put in the time. But it's tough in 2016. It is tough. Speaking of that, Keith Monaghan, at Keith Monaghan on Twitter, says, what do you think the podcasting landscape will look like in two years, five years? What should producers prepare for? Amazing question, Keith. I always kind of shy away from answering these kinds of questions, though, because it's impossible to really, really know. But I will tell you that the things that I was saying two years ago and five years ago have all come to pass. Many of them faster than I was expecting. But I remember, I remember being in uh, on sales calls and working with my uh, my salesperson here and talking to her about the direction that I saw things going in. And I think it was in 2014, 2013, 2014 that I said, you know, a big change is is basically here, but it's coming. And I said that the problem that we're going to be facing, we as a business doing this, but podcasters in a greater space, is it's getting easier and easier to podcast. That's a good thing. More and more people are entering into the podcast space. Also a very good thing. But at the same time, there aren't that many new sponsors out there. The big players in the podcast sponsorship space are still the big players. Finally, companies are starting to get it. They're starting to understand that podcasting works. And guess what? It works better than radio. It works better than TV. And forget the web. The web, advertising on the web is dead. And you know what? Mobile advertising hasn't quite worked out the way that mobile folks thought it would work out either. Podcasting is a great way for sponsors to advertise. It works. I've talked a lot about why it works on this show before. I won't go over it again, other than to say, if people are listening to you, they like you. They want to hear your voice and they trust you. So if you say, go check out Squarespace, go check out Linode, guess what? They're, they're going to remember that and they're going to trust you and they're going to say, you know what? My pal Dan said to try this out. So I'm, you know what? I'll give it a try. That works. It really works. So sponsors are figuring that out. But right now, that, that, that number of sponsors that are out there, and we work with pretty much all of them. If they're in podcasting, we work with them. That it's not like podcast sponsors have increased in number the way that podcasters and good shows have increased in number. But like I was saying, two years ago, I was saying this, saying we're going to be competing and we're going to be working much, much, much harder for the same money. Much, much, much harder to keep those sponsors that we have and to try to get anywhere near as many sponsorships from them as we used to. Why? Because there are so many more shows. And a sponsor is being smart to spread out uh, their, their money across lots of successful shows. Because they want to see which, which ones are going to be successful for them. Yes, they want to continue with the ones that are working, but they're much faster to say, you know what? One episode of your show didn't work out. We're never coming back. Now, instead, we're going to go with this other one that worked a little bit better. And you know what? That other one you do that continues to work, yeah, we're going to stay with that. And that's really tough for somebody who wants to make money in this. So the future of podcasting from the advertising standpoint, that's, that's changing. 
getting sponsors shouldn't be your goal anymore. If it was ever your goal, it shouldn't be your goal. Because what we're seeing emerging, Keith, is we are seeing many, many, many uh, better alternatives on how to get shows so that they support the creator of the show, uh, but don't necessarily rely on that basic sponsor-driven model. And I'll tell you what, any company out there that tries to get you to use their app to listen to shows that, that you want to hear from them, ooh, that does, that does not sit well with me and it doesn't sit well with you, does it? It doesn't sit well with most people in podcasting. We, the podcasters, reject. I reject that. I reject any attempt of, of big media and big advertising to try to control this industry, to try to control the way that it works to try to put its arms around and say, well, we want to know. And you know what? Yes, I want to know as a podcaster, as a creator, I want to know, Keith and everyone else listening, do, do you fast forward through my spots? Do, was there a segment of the show that you didn't listen to? Do you listen at one speed or two speed? Do you stop listening and never start back? Or do you play the whole thing all at once? Are you driving? Are you at the grocery store? Are you walking your dog? I want to know all of these things. Why? Because then I can make a better show. I can make a show that you want to listen to in its entirety. I want to make a show that you enjoy and that you listen to every week. I cannot know any of those things. I cannot get any of that data. I cannot discover any of that. All I see is this IP address downloaded this episode. That's all I got. And I can see when you did it. Not very useful to me on making my show better. And even less useful to an advertiser who says, well, here's our demographic. We want to advertise to women who make $100,000 or more, age 25 to 45, who live in the UK. Is that your show? Well, I can't really tell you that. I can tell you X percentage of my audience downloads from the UK, but that's it. Well, did they listen to the whole show? Don't know. They fast-forward through the ads? No idea. Do they ever listen to the show after they download it, or are they just subscribed and it's going into a, you know, onto a hard drive somewhere? I don't know. Advertisers want to know, and that's why they come out with these applications. That's why they come out with these apps. That's why these companies are like, you should subscribe to our thing. That's what it's all about. And podcasters are looking for other ways to monetize, Keith. So as we continue down this road two years, five years, Systems that support supporting the supporting of your favorite podcast creator are going to be really, really helpful and really, really useful. And I, I, it, it's so tough because most of the people I can tell you, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash five by five. We get great support from a ton of people, but I'll tell you what, if every listener of this show donated five bucks a month. We wouldn't need to do ads ever. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I know that very, very, very few of you actually support the show, even if you love it. And that's okay because we do have sponsors right now. But that is something that's, that's really, really ready for change, Keith. That's something that will look very different. The sponsorship landscape will look very different. The way to support podcasters will look very different. And that's one of the things I've built into Fireside is to try and make it easy for both people who want to get their show sponsored as well as connecting with your listeners and getting support from your listeners through that system. Because those, those are the two channels that are there right now. And I really feel like if it was really easy to get listener support, if we took away some of those obstacles, the way that car manufacturers are really who are responsible for the podcast renaissance that we've seen, the way they've taken away that barrier. Because I used, I remember when the, the way that I had to listen to a podcast in, in my car was on headphones or getting uh, something where I plugged the, uh, the auxiliary audio jack into the car. That was dumb. Now it's all Bluetooth. So in the morning when I'm getting ready for work, I can hit play and it'll come out of my little UE boombox speaker. And then I hit pause. I go downstairs. I, you know, grab a, grab a coffee and get in the car. And when I get in the car, I start the car. Boom. Bluetooth. I'm continuing right where I left off. It's genius. 
So it's the automobile manufacturers that we have to thank for us being where we are today. But in two to five years, that's the biggest change. In two to five years, I think the tools for recording are getting easier and easier and better and better. In browser recording to get around Skype, that's pretty interesting, where you basically have what is effectually a double ender, effectively a double ender, and it just uploads that audio. That's something I'm working on for Fireside, but there's solutions out there that do that already. People really want that, so I'm going to try and build something like that. But it is, it is really tricky to predict. But I, I, I think what we saw happen, the last thing I'll say about it, I think what we saw happen in the blogging space where only the people who were the geekiest and most tech-savvy people could blog because it involved like coding HTML. That was hard. And then all of a sudden we had tools like Blogger and then you know, blogger.com and then movable type and then all these other great things, hosted WordPress, Tumblr, Squarespace, all these great tools out there that made it possible for someone who wanted to write to just like sit down and start typing something. Then they had a website and they were done. And then what did we see? We saw everybody had a blog. And then after everybody had a blog, you started getting these niche sites. Well, I'm a food blogger. And then you saw that grow and grow and grow until everybody had a blog. Everybody had a website. Everybody was then part of some conglomerations of websites and website networks. And what we realized was we didn't really need that. No one really wanted that. And there was too much. And my RSS reader used to explode every morning. Finally, I would just say, you know what? I'm not going to read 10 different Mac rumor sites. I'm going to pick the one I like the best and I'm going to delete the other ones. And I think that that will eventually happen again in podcasting because there are too many podcasts right now and not enough, not enough amazing ones. There are some amazing ones. But I think eventually people will say, you know what? We need to have really good audio quality. We need to edit this show to make it sound great. We need to host it somewhere that's reliable on a fast CDN with a little website around it. Like we need that stuff. And so the people who are not serious about it, they'll kind of say, ah, you know what? I had a podcast and we did like four or five episodes and I'm stick with it. Never, you know. But that's good. Because we want people to be able to try it. We want people to be able to experiment. We want people to see if they like it. We want to put those tools out there for people to try and see if they do like it. But what it means is that quality will rise. And if you look around right now at the people who are blogging full-time, at the websites that are made up of online journalists, overall, I would say the writing that's out there and the content that's out there has markedly improved over the last couple of years, I think. Sites like, I'll, I'll pick The Verge, because I love The Verge. I know the folks over there. That is really, really great, consistently great tech stuff. And that came out of this overload of blogging. You know, it, it evolved into a place where you could go and you know you're going to get great stuff. If I want Mac Rumors, I go to MacRumors.com. That's the one place I go. So. That, and the, ah, I said it was the last thing, Keith, but I got one more thing. Big media companies, whether it's the guys, uh, companies that are out there on, on TV or cable networks or, uh, or radio, all of these places are now starting to want to get into podcasting and they don't know how to do it. I think two to five years from now, every major outlet, whether it's NBC, ABC, ESPN, all of these places are going to want their own podcast companions that aren't just the audio from the latest 60 minutes, but content in that space. They don't know how to do it. I think you're going to see that in podcasting. So there you go. That was a long answer, but thanks for the question, Keith. I appreciate it. I got to tell you about our second sponsor, and I love this sponsor. Linode, L-I-N-O-D-E, linode.com. Everything we do on 5x5 and all the new stuff that we're doing on Fireside, it's all hosted on Linode. These are Rails apps that I built, but you can do way more than Rails on Linode. You can do pretty much any 
application development that you want, any kind of hosting that you want. You want to do file serving. You want your own private Git repositories. You want to just upload your website. You want to do full-blown infrastructure. Anything and everything happens on Linode. They've got eight data centers. You can get your server up and running with their console in under a minute. I did a thing recently where I had a server, one of our, we have got multiple application servers for Fireside set up. So they're, they're all redundant. Uh, they're all running in multiple data centers. So they're really fast. They're behind a, a node balancer. All of this stuff, you do all of it right with their simple little console. So I was setting up one of the web servers and I said, you know what? I got this thing perfect. It's perfect. It's installed. Everything's compiled. Everything's the right version. It's all, but boom, I just cloned it to another brand new web server in a different data center in a different part of the world. And it took like five minutes to clone that. There's automated backups. I mean, you name it. And plans started uh, 10 bucks a month. That's preposterous. But that's what they're doing. Linode, L-I-N-O-D-E, linode.com slash podcast method. Remember what I said about pulling over your car? Pull over again. Off the side of the road, put your hazards on so people can see you and go to linode.com slash podcast method. Do that. I guarantee you I'm going to get a call from their CEO. He's going to get on his, uh, his plane. He's going to fly down here to Austin from Philly. And he's going to say, whatever you're doing, Dan, keep doing it. That's it. I'm out. And he'll get back on his jet and fly back up to Philly. That's what I want. Linode.com slash podcast method and the promo code Podcast method 2020 will get you $20 credit. That's in the show notes at 5x5.tv slash podcast method slash 22 if you forget the codes or the links. But the code is podcast method 20 for $20 credit. Nice. 918 Digital on Twitter says, you can do a whole podcast on Fireside features. Well, I will. And if you want to get a load, on what, uh, a load of what those are, go to fireside.io. And sign up for the beta that's coming out in the next couple days. Brandon Hutchins says, I have a podcast question. When is the frequency coming back? And the, I'll tell you why I'm reading that question here. Frequency is a show that I did uh, with uh, Hattie Cook, who is my salesperson and uh, station manager here. We did the show uh, for a number of years. We did it once a week, then we bumped it to daily, then it went back to once a week, and now it's not much. We've been so busy and so swamped, but that's this is a great question. What happens when you have a show, especially a show like that? We had tens of thousands of listeners. We had sponsors lined up, but we stopped doing it. What? How, what? leaving money on the table and losing listeners like that. Could you, can the show ever come back? Could it ever get back to 20, 30 plus thousand listeners an episode? I don't know. I don't know if it can. People do love uh, my co-host Hattie on the show. But can you bring back a show, even a successful show? I don't know. But it's a really good topic. What happens when you do a show and for business reasons or personal reasons, you have to take a break from it. But what happens to the show? Well, you lose listeners. That's what happens. You lose listeners because people will see that show in their feed, whether it's in their iOS app, their Android app, or an iTunes, and they'll see that it hasn't updated for a while. And then they'll be like, well, I guess I, I guess I should unsubscribe then. So when the show does come back, they're already gone. If you had 10,000 listeners before and you stopped doing a show for a month or two, they're never coming back. And you can't really reach them either. Do you know how few people really use Twitter? Do you know how few people who do use Twitter are going to see that one tweet? They had some kind of statistic that was out there that says something like less than 10% of your Twitter followers will see an individual tweet. Maybe that's even less than that. How are you ever going to get them back? You're never going to get them back. If they have un and people unsubscribe for emotional reasons, not logical reasons. Logic would say, keep that show there in your feed in case a new episode comes out. One might come out. Hey, you look nice today. Did an episode. They're doing one a year or something like that. But guess what? I keep them in my feed because I want to get updated. 
So when is the frequency cut? It is coming back. We will do it again. Are you still subscribed? It's a tough question. Jared Wilson, JT Wilson, says, what is the best way to get sponsors? Do they look more for quantity or quality of episodes or overall listeners? The answer is yes. They look for quantity, they look for quality, and they look for overall listeners. If you do a show every week and it's great and you have only five listeners, you're not getting a sponsor. If you do a show that's great and has good numbers, but you don't do it regularly, you're not getting a sponsor. You need all three. Jared, you answered your own question. You've got to have quantity. You've got to have quality and you've got to have tons of people listening to it. It's that simple. Now, the flip side of this question, Ian Fuchs, I-A-N-F-U-C-H-S. What's the best way to get guests on your show? What's the appropriate way to offer to guests on someone else's show? The best way to get guests on your show is, you know, the silly thing is, is just to ask. All you need is one guest. And I've explained this trick, little secret trick before. All you need is one guest. If you can get one guest to say yes, let's say, Ian, let's say you asked me, Dan, would you please be on my show? And I say, you know what? Yes, I'll be on your show. Then the next person you ask, you can say, I'm, I've got a show here. Previous, you know, get guests include, name all your guests and make sure to include me. And when the second person says yes, then you say, you know what? time to ask the third person when you ask the third person you say this show features people like dan benjamin and barack obama they're both going to be on the show you should be on the show too and it kind of creates a little bit of a wave it's the same thing as like when people invest in a startup no one wants to be first but once you get that first person once you get that first company that first investor then all the other ones will come in all at once that's the best way is to have have interviewed one person already And as far as the appropriate way to offer to guest on someone else's, I have no idea. I have never done that. And I actually find that very, very common. People do it all the time, but I've never done it. And in a way, it seems kind of smarmy and, you know, weird, and I don't really like it. And if someone emails me to say such and such a person or themselves would like to be a guest on your show, I just delete the email. If I want you on my show, believe me. I I will reach out to you and you can say no to me. Elon Musk said no. Jay-Z never wrote back. Katy Perry never wrote back. But I asked them and I listed all the other people I've had on the shows. I guess they didn't care. I don't take it personally and you shouldn't take it personally either. But as far as offering to guest on someone else's show, I don't know. If you know the person personally and you're talking to them, you're like, oh man, I, I love your show so much. I really, I want to be on it. Listen, next time you get your co-host dropped, they can't make it. Tell me, I'll be there. I'll be on it. That, maybe that's the best way. Got time for a few more. Just, you know what? Jasonian's been on fire. He's got another question, but I'm taking it because it's a great question. What, what's the average of what hosts get paid per show? Doesn't have to be your shows if you know industry average. I can tell you that when I started doing this, The way that the industry did it is they paid hosts a flat rate. And they paid them a flat rate based on how successful the show was. And that flat rate was really nice for the hosts because back then you never knew if you were going to get sponsored or not. You never knew if the show was going to make money or not. But it was a way of saying to the the guest or to the co-host or whoever, uh, you know what? You're taking your time away to co-host this show or to be a part of this show. And I want to compensate you for the time that you're spending being on the show. How do I do that? I will pay you. And I will pay you regardless of whether I'm making money on this show or not. Whether we are making money on the show or not, you're going to get your flat rate. You're going to get paid. And that's the way I did it for a long time. And that's the way a lot of other bigger operations do it. And... This is one of those things I would probably, if I could go back in time and change it, I would probably change that and make it so that everyone who was co-hosting shows got uh, a percentage from day one. 
Right now, it's all percentage-based, and it depends on the show. It depends on how many people are on the show, but usually people uh, get even percentages of shows that, that they're on. So if, if uh, it, Jasonian, if you and I were to host a show together, we'd probably split it. We'd probably figure out production costs and hosting costs and things like that. And then after an editing costs or whatever. And after that, we'd split it 50-50 if we're two co-hosts. And it's a super fair way to do it. If we're selling for a show, though, those, those numbers vary widely. I don't know if there is an industry standard. Industry standard might be 30%. It might be 40%. I know some places that do 50%. I knew some that do 10 I think in entertainment, it's 50%. Like in, in showbiz, it's 50% if you're selling for someone. Uh, but that's not really your question. But I think hosts are going to get paid. I think hosts should get paid an equal percentage. And uh, and when I switched from that model of going to flat rates to to percentages, everyone, in, including me, was much happier. And it keeps everything on the up and up and write it up in a contract and say, after after costs, we will split the show on this percentage. If you have someone who's like super famous... And the whole show exists because the person is super famous and they're bringing their huge audience. Maybe they should get more than 50%. But on the flip side of that, if you're the one that's doing all the editing and the promotion and management and selling ads, maybe you're justified to get your 50%. Maybe you should get more. But I think that's where the industry is now. And, uh, and I think that's what makes sense. As we wrap this up, I'll take a couple of quick fire questions. Frank Ramblings at Frank Ramblings says, uh, for invoicing, how do you have that awkward please pay me conversation? Well, if you use something like FreshBooks, who sponsored a bunch of shows here, but I've been their customer since before they sponsored anything. If you use that, that has like an automatic reminder thing where if they're late to pay, then, uh, then it will automatically invoice them. It'll automatically send the invoice back to them to remind them it's time to pay. But you know what? If you have in your original document with them, whoever is sponsoring your show, that you have like payment upon receipt or net 30 or whatever, and they agree to that, then there is absolutely nothing wrong with writing them on the day that it's due and saying, I have not yet received your payment. It is due. Please remit payment to the following address. Let me know if you receive this email. Nothing bad about that. It's professional. I'll tell you what, we, we as a company that's been doing this for a million years, still have plenty of sponsors, big name sponsors who are great companies who just because they're bigger companies, they just have this big machine and it takes them a while to just get that checked to you. So a lot of the time they're not, uh, they're not like being stingy or not wanting to pay you. It just takes them a lot longer to do it. Todd Vaziri, T. Vaziri on Twitter says, the basics and options of podcast hosting, the actual files, the art and tech of cover art and show notes. Those are sort of three quick questions, maybe not so quick, but I'll give you the, the quick answers. Podcast hosting, you can keep those actual files anywhere you want. Libsyn is kind of the de facto standard for where to like chuck files and link them and get, get tracking. Obviously, Fireside, the upcoming thing that I've been working on for a long time at fireside.io, that will do all of that for you. But you can put those files anywhere you want. You could go get a Linode account and put the files there and link to them and have a basic Apache web server behind it. Squarespace also hosts files. I mean, you you can host files anywhere you want. It really doesn't matter until or unless you want really, really fast downloads, a CDN, and really good tracking. Then you need... You need an infrastructure for that. Uh, the art and tech of cover art and show notes. The art and tech of cover art. It's a great question. We take our cover art seriously. And uh, for a while, we were kind of at the, the top of a trend. And, and now you see so many different types of cover art out there. And we do the same thing. Like uh, Roadwork is a picture of, uh, of, of uh, me and John Roderick. Very different from the other artwork that we've had in the past. It's a photo. I think anything goes as long as it's eye-catching, as long as it's fun, and as long as it's something that represents your show and that you feel represents your show. Don't overthink it, but you must, must, must have eye-catching artwork. If you are not a photographer or a designer, hire someone. It does make a difference. 
the thing that you can do yourself, like tinkering around with like Acorn or Pixelmator on your computer, it might be good enough. But keep in mind that changing artwork later is bad. People will think they've subscribed to the wrong podcast. Maybe they'll unsubscribe. People are like that. It will look different on the website or in iTunes or wherever they were used to looking at it, and they won't play it. This happens. So it's better to invest a little time and a little money initially to get something that's good and that you like and that you can live with. Uh, How do you embed it? Well, you generally, people use something like iTunes to embed the artwork into the MP3. That means that they export and bounce the MP3 and then they open it up in iTunes and drag the cover art into it and save it and then find that file and then upload it. What a pain. We don't do that. Why? Because I built a really good system that does all of that, that when you create it in the content management system in the publishing tool and you enter in the information, it automatically puts that information along with the cover art for the episode or for the show right into the MP3. It embeds it into the MP3. Why? Because computers are really good at boring, mundane, automatable tasks. And I know people who have created automator actions and other things to do that. Look into that. It takes a lot of time to embed uh, artwork into an MP3 file, but you must have it, folks. You must have it. More and more tools, and there are WordPress plugins and everything that, that will do this for you. But there's still a lot of people who do it by hand. It's a pain. And show notes? Show notes are great. Geeks love show notes. I love making show notes. I love reading show notes. I love it when every link that someone, every topic that someone mentions has a link associated with it and it's there in the show notes. And if you put those into the description, whatever the description field is in the software that you're using to make that RSS file behind the scenes, a good podcast app, a a client, a good one is going to, sh- to show those show notes right there in line. So when people are listening, they can look at those show notes right there on their phone or on their computer screen. And they can see all those notes that you painstakingly created, those links that you embedded. And of course, because that got tedious to create those, I built a really cool bookmarklet thing so that I can just highlight some text on a page, click the bookmarklet. Boom, a little mini window pops up and says, you want me to add this to the latest episode? You want to make a new episode? What do you want to do? And I said, boom, add it to the latest episode. Now it's a link on the latest episode, drag and drop to arrange the thing. See, all these little things you, you wind up building over years. But even if you don't have that, that's fine. Just when you're at that website, drag the link into notes, drag the link into your text editor and save that file. And then later put that into the description. Your listeners will appreciate it. And be sure to share where the show notes live, 5by5.tv slash podcast message slash 22. Tell them that a couple times during the show. Repetition is good. I wish we had more time, but that's all the time I have today. You can find me on Twitter and ask me those questions. I'm at Dan Benjamin. You can use the hashtag podcast method. That's where I am. 5by5.tv slash podcast method has all the previous episodes of this show. Thanks to our sponsors, squarespace.com slash podcast method, linode.com slash podcast method. Keep the questions coming. I've got a lot more, so I'll be doing another one of these episodes soon, but keep them coming. And I appreciate you listening.